Okay. Well, it's um, just a real honour honor as usual to spend time in the Word of God. And the next four Sundays, we're going to look at the book of Colossians. It would be good if you're not used to bringing your Bible, to bring your Bible with you. I will put the verses on the screen, but it's also good to have your own study material with you. If you have a Bible or a notepad, if you want to take some notes as we go through. We're going to be, it's going to be more of a chat and a teach on, on the different books, different chapters of Colossians. I'm starting off today and then Fraser will be sharing next Sunday. Um, Mark Kelly from Leeds will be amongst us as well. So the next four weeks we're going to look specifically at the book of Colossians. And Colossians really is about what the whole scripture is about. It's about Jesus. And the book of Colossians is about Jesus being first. Can you say that? Jesus is first. Jesus is first. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus is first in my life. You know, that's a strong statement, isn't it? And I wonder, as even if we're saying it, what connotations that brings. What does that look like for Jesus to really be first in our lives? Because I think sometimes if we really consider that statement, our priorities may change a little bit. The way we see things may change a little bit. So let's pray together. Father, I ask that today as we turn to your word, we will see Jesus more clearly. Father, I ask as we turn to your word, we would make a decision in our heart to put him first in our lives. Father, as we turn to your word, let us see the hope to which we are called. Let us see your glory, Lord. Let us see the plan that you have that we are a part of in Christ. And Father, I pray that everyone would go from this place inspired to be all that they've been called to be in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's look at the first, well, the second verse of the first chapter. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 1 today. And it, this is Paul's greeting. He says to the church in Colossae, to God's holy people in Coloss, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. This is a wonderful greeting, isn't it? Grace and peace to you from God our Father. It encapsulates all that God has in for us. His grace and His peace and His fatherhood. Grace means unmerited favor. Peace means nothing missing and nothing broken. What comes from God our Father is grace, favor that we don't deserve, and what comes from Him is peace, which means that he wants to put everything back together that's broken and give us everything back that's been missing in our lives. Isn't that amazing? What a greeting. It's better than, hello, grace and peace to you from God the Father. What a wonderful greeting. The next part of the chapter says, With all, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of, your, and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. And about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard and truly understood God's grace. You know, you, on the inside of you, the Bible says in Romans 12, you've been given the measure of faith. 
And that faith is in Christ Jesus. And that faith is not a, something that makes us selfish and self-centered. It births love in God for other people. That faith is... And Mark, could you just turn down the ice cream cone? I think it's uh, causing problems. And all the fallback speakers as well, please. It says that the faith and love that spring from hope stored up for you in heaven. You see, God wants us to be those that operate from his love and express from operating from his love faith, belief. God wants us to be believers. Believers in him, believers in ourselves, in him, and believers in other people the way he sees them. That can only happen if hope is in our heart. This whole book, really, of Colossians is about the hope we have in Christ. Hope is the inner image. It's the picture we have on the inside of ourselves. The picture we have on the inside of ourselves about Christ, about ourselves, and about others. And God wants that picture to be painted by his love and by his faith that is stored up for you in heaven. When you think of heaven, I know you may be thinking of a place you go when you die. That's fine. But in, in the mind of the writer, heaven is the spiritual realm. Yeah, true. So there's a, the, the, Paul says in another part of his letters, he says that the invisible realm is more real than the visible realm. So there's a realm all around us called the spirit realm. And in that realm, there is great image of faith and love for you. There is great reservoirs of faith and love for you to take hold of and bring into this visible realm. There's a great reservoir of God, God's power, God's love, God's healing, God's restoration. For you and I to be able to grasp that and bring it out of the spiritual realm into the visible realm. We are beings of both realms. If you want to know where the aliens are, they're all here. <laughs> we are born from above, the Bible says. We are not of this world, but we are in this world for one reason. To extend and advance the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you are not of this world. You've been born from above. You've been born from the Spirit. Amen? And you have got great faith and great love that spring from hope stored up for you in, in the spiritual realm. Can I ask you a question? Where are you seated in the spiritual realm? Anybody know from Ephesians? In heavenly place with who? With Christ. You are seated in the heavenly places. You are seated in the realm of the Spirit. You have... Your own special reserved chair in the heavenly realms. So it means that you have instant access by the blood of Jesus anytime to go and ask. Well, actually, when Jesus uses the word ask a lot, it actually also is the word demand. We don't demand of God, but we demand of spiritual darkness to give up what we've stolen. But we ask of our Father to give what's required. And he knows what we need before we ask it. But he still asks us to ask by faith. So God wants us to be a people that just are full of faith and full of love that springs from the image we have. I wonder if I was to ask you the question, is heaven 
more a reality in your life than the earth? Good question. Is the spiritual realm, is the realm of God, is your relationship with God more real to you than your relationship with those in this world? God wants it to be so much more real, the relationship and intimacy he has with you, than even the most intimate relationship that you could have with a physical human being. He just longs to be with you. He longs to have some of your time on this earth to fellowship with you. He longs for that. Yes, God has a purpose. Yes, God has a plan. Yes, God has wonderful things for us to do. But it all comes out of intimacy. It all comes out of this desire to bring you to himself. The Bible says in Ephesians, once we were far away, but now we have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And if you trace that Greek phrase, brought near, it literally means you've been brought into the arms of the Father through Christ. You know, the last bit of this verse, it says, you heard it since the day you heard it and truly understand God's grace. I would suggest that most of us, including myself, have only really seen the tip of the iceberg of the grace of God. We've only understood a thimbleful amount of, of, of what the grace of God is. We've only experienced it to a thimbleful amount. And God wants us to truly understand. What does understand mean? He wants us to have a firm foundation to stand on, which is grace. Not our works, not our wonderful duties in life, not the things that we think make us special, but to stand on his grace in such a way that we cannot be moved. No matter if things are taken away from us, no matter if situations come that we feel we cannot bear, if we truly stand on his grace, that we are favored by him, that we are graced by him, that he stooped down and stooped down and spoke face to face and breathed his very life into us at the new birth, then we are so close, face to face with God, we have that relationship. Face to face with God. That is grace. You know, sometimes in some places I've been, they use the blessing of the Aaronic priesthood from Numbers 5, and they say, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and the Lord give you his peace. Can I say to you, that's a great blessing, but you already had it in Christ. His face does shine upon you. The Lord has given you his peace. And it's to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of you. Amen? You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, who also told us of your love in the Spirit. You see, this gospel... This grace was passed on by teachers who came into the local church. Maybe they were part of the local church for a while, and they taught the grace of God. They taught the grace of God. Can I suggest to you, most of them taught it out of the Old Testament, because the New Testament wasn't written for today. It's full of grace in the Old Testament. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the supremacy of Christ. It's all about the gospel of grace. Amen? Amen. And these people, they listened to the teachers and they had love for those that came in and shared the word with them. Let's move on.
Colossians 1, 9 to 14. Let's read together. Well, you can read in your head, and that's fine. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. What reason? Well, if you go back, the whole context is understanding the grace of God. So Paul wants the people to understand the grace of God. And for this reason, he's praying about praying for them. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, with, will, will through all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great abundance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Just notice what happens first. So often in the church we teach about living a life worthy of God. You've got to live a better life. You've got to obey the Ten Commandments. You've got to be holy. You've got to read your Bible regularly. You've got to pray regularly. You've got to uh, pray more regularly. You've got to fast more regularly. You've got to evangelize more regularly. You've got to do this more regularly. You've got to do that. Oh, my word, that's a heavy burden. But look at the order. This man is praying that the Spirit will come to you. That the Holy Spirit will come to you and fill you with wisdom and fill you with understanding that He gives. You know the Bible in Hebrews 10 describes the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of grace. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit in John 16. He will take of what belongs to Jesus and make it known to you. That's the whole work of the Spirit. So when Paul is asking for this wisdom and this understanding that the Spirit gives, he's asking for more of Jesus to be known in your life. More of Jesus to be known in the church. And as we have an encounter with the Spirit that reveals Jesus, as we find Jesus on every page of the Scripture, instead of finding rules and regulations, as we encounter Him more and more, we will be transformed. And we will live a life worthy of the calling we've received. That is a byproduct of our encounter. It's not do that unless God won't encounter you. It's if you let God come in your life, you will live a life worthy of the calling you've received. But so often it's been flipped the other way. You've got to be holy for God to use you. You've got to be holy for God to meet you. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. No, let the Spirit come in. Let the Holy Spirit reveal Jesus to you. Can I say this to you? The Holy Spirit is not the rebellious one of the Trinity. So often when I hear Christians talk about the Spirit... It's, it's the Spirit sanctioning what they want to do. Well, the Spirit said do this. The Spirit said this. The Spirit said follow him. The Spirit said do this. The Spirit said do that. No, he didn't. It's you and me and our emotions. What the Spirit does is he reveals Jesus. What the Spirit does is he reveals revelation of Jesus. Can I give you a big revelation of Jesus you'll find in the book of Colossians? The body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is not against the church. The Holy Spirit loves the church. And if you read the book of Revelation, 
the Holy Spirit and the bride says of Jesus coming. It's when the church gets in agreement with the Holy Spirit, that's when all of heaven breaks in. So we put the Holy Spirit in a corner because we don't like sometimes the manifestations he brings. Well, we'll just try and sanitize. It's not about God. Just try and sanitize him in a corner. Uh, just at the end of the meeting, we'll just move there. Fine. It's only the Holy Spirit. We're not really sure what he's going to do, so we're just a little bit afraid. You see, that's fear, though, isn't it? I'm going to teach tonight on, on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because I believe that God wants us to know that the reason the Holy Spirit gives any gift to a person, it's not about the person, but it's about revealing Jesus. It's about revealing Jesus. It's not about my gift or your gift. It's about revealing Jesus. Listen to this. He's qualified you. Say this to somebody. You are qualified. You're qualified to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Wow. Can I suggest to you the reason why we don't see physically angels as much as we, 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 we do is because they move faster than the speed of light. It says about God, he's wrapped in light. He's wrapped in light. You know, there's examples in the scripture and in history of people being transported from one place to another to give the gospel to somebody. Philip and the eunuch, for example, in Acts chapter 1. Modern examples, I can give you many of them. Where people have been transported. I tell you, when you sit on a plane and you've got a 10 hour journey to get to the place of preaching the gospel, you would transportation by the Holy point is this, because certain practices have been seen by certain elements of the church to be occultic, so for example, transportation, so uh, in the spirit, or for example, uh, words of knowledge, well that's, that's a bit like a, a clairvoyant, no they are imitations of the reality that's found in Christ. All these gifts of the Spirit, all these things that God wants us to move in are to bring the revelation of Jesus to people and open a way for them to hear the gospel. It's not about just moving a gift for the sake of moving a gift. You know, it's not impressive if I move in a word of knowledge and give you your phone number. You know your phone number. What's the point of that? And if I give you a word of knowledge to somebody about a healing or about a deliverance or about something that's, that Jesus didn't come and break in and show his power, and that says something about the revelation of Christ for that person. God wants us to enjoy our inheritance of light now. Our inheritance is the Holy Spirit. He's been given to us. Amen? Let's read on a little bit. Let's talk about Jesus a bit more. I like talking about Jesus to you. Good. I want to read this from a slightly different translation. Um, this is Colossians 1.15. It says this, you've got the translation in the NIV up there, but I'm going to read in a slightly different one. In him, in Jesus, the image and likeness of God is made visible in human life, in order that everyone may recognize their true origin in him. 
Did you hear that? But Jesus came to show us what we could be like. Anybody agree with that? Jesus came to show us what we can be like in him, in fellowship and relationship with him. I think that's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Let's talk about Jesus. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Powerful scripture. The message translation says this. Not only that, but all the broken and distorted pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fitted together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death. What a beautiful statement. God has got this plan. It's called the body of Christ. It's called Jesus, the invisible, tangible, and expressible, expressible in every street, in every place, in our nation and the nations of the world. And it's through the church. I've said it before, stop talking down the church. Stop saying bad things about the church. It's the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. And it's God's answer to a world. And so many of these scriptures that we'll look at in this book, so many promises about our inheritance, about what we have, it's not just about us as individuals. It's about God speaking to us as a corporate body. That you together have an inheritance. That you together are in the image of Christ. That God wants you and I to fulfill individually what he's called us to. But the way God works is this. In order for me to fulfill what God has called me to do for him, I need you. For what God has called you to do, you need me. That's the way it works with a body of And he reconciles, he puts all the pieces back together to make the body. He invested his own physical body on the tree, just completely battered and broken for us, so that the broken world could come back together in him. He's an awesome God, isn't he? There's no other one like Jesus. There's no other God like Jesus. Just think about him for a moment. Think about what he's done. Think about what he's achieved. It truly is awesome. Think about the fact that he was put in a grave and every demon, every principality, the devil himself, every machination of the wicked was trying to hold him down in that tomb 
and they couldn't hold him down because life swallowed up death. Jesus lives in you and me. Colossians 1, 21 and 23 says this. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. I want to read that in a slightly different translation. See, we're studying today rather than just be a preach. So here we go. This is verse 21 from a different translation. It says, your indifferent mindset set alienated different mindset alienated you from God into a lifestyle of annoyances, hardships and labors. Wow. If I am indifferent in my mindset towards Jesus, it alienates me from God. If I am apathetic in my lifestyle towards Jesus, if I'm just grateful I've got a ticket to heaven, but I don't become a disciple. If, if I am somebody that can take it or leave it in terms of the power of God or the church or whatever. If I'm somebody with that mindset, that alienates me from God. It's not that God just pushes me away or casts me out and he loves me. But he can't fellowship with that which is set against him in mind and heart. There may be many things in your life that have caused you to maybe be apathetic or lethargic towards the things of God. It may be troubles and circumstances and sufferings that you've been through. But let me say this to you. Jesus absolutely loves you and wants intimate relationship with you more than you could possibly know. You know, when I, when, when Ashita and I had our first child, Sophie, it just, just, maybe because I couldn't, I didn't learn it myself in my own relationship with God, but it just opened up to me another element of how God loves me, how the Father loves me. No, because that little, that little baby girl, I, I, I would kill for her. I would protect her at all costs. I would die for her. I would die for her. Every enemy in the demonic that, that come against you, Jesus has already defeated it for you. Amen. Every single you felt like giving up, he's already got enough provision in the spirit for you to carry on. Don't let yourself be alienated from a God that loves you. Don't let an indifferent mindset. You know, I'm just aware, just in my own prayer, my own time with God lately, I'm, I'm just chatting with you, is that okay? Sorry for my challenge. I just want to chat with you this morning. Just aware that we only have one life to invest in. Life flows so quickly. It's bigger already. 2015. And I don't, I don't want to start crying over the past or how I'm not invested or invested. But I said to Father, I said, from this day to the rest of my days, if they're long or short, and I believe they're long, I want to invest my life in something that lasts forever. I want to invest my life in pursuit and relationship with Jesus and making him
It says, But he has now reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you go before God, if you start reading the word and accusation comes against you, speak to it and say, In Jesus' name, I am free from accusation. In fact, say to somebody else right now, In Jesus, I am free from accusation. Isn't that good? Even if you and I haven't lived full on for Christ up to this point, don't be taking on the accusation of the devil. Just go for it from this point. Go for it from this point. Because now faith is. And you are reconciled and you're without blemish and free from accusation. It says, if you continue in your faith, established and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Another translation says, you're going to be established and free from accusation if you remain under the influence of what your faith knows to be true. That's why, brothers and sisters, we need teaching and preaching of the word of God. That's why we need to be in the scriptures ourselves because we, we, we need to be under the influence of what we know to be true because there's so much stuff out there that is falsehood. There's so many ideas out there that set themselves up against the knowledge of Jesus and we have got to know what is the truth. Sometimes in charismatic circles, it seems to be an optional extra to have a relationship with God in the Bible. It is not an optional extra. The Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures, inspired men and women to write the scriptures for our consolation, for our hope. Can you see the connection? The scriptures help build the very hope of Christ in us. I don't want my children just growing up knowing Bible stories. I want them to know. That's why I love Have you come across a Jesus storybook Bible? Get it for every child you can possibly get it for. We've got it in the bookshelf there. It's a brilliant resource. Because every single Bible story reveals Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. I want to just finish by touching on some things that may be tough to hear, but I want to touch on them. Paul says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul had a particularly unique ministry of bringing the gospel of grace to the masses and the gospel of grace to the Gentiles. He came under such opposition from the enemy for doing so. You can read about his opposition in many of his letters, but particularly in Corinthians he talks about it, 2 Corinthians. He had all sorts of stuff if you read the book of Acts. They tried to, they stoned Paul a number of times, but he got up again. That's a miracle. Can you imagine being stoned to death and then getting up and walking off? Paul did that. It's recorded. But he suffered much 
persecution for the sake of what he had to deliver in Christ. It was a unique thing. Sometimes what's happened in the church is we've taken verses like this, and when we're, when we're, if we have experienced symptoms of sickness or going through a tough time, we say we're filling up the sufferings of Christ. Can I say to you that Jesus' sufferings were complete? He doesn't need you and I to fill them up. In fact, Paul is saying that I'm suffering for you in the persecution for the sake of Christ. I'm not trying to fill up or, or, or make Christ's sufferings complete, but I want your completeness. That's why I'm suffering. Otherwise, what we do is we go around thinking, well, is this sickness from God? Am I filling up the sufferings of Christ? No, no, no. The sickness is from So why do people suffer? There's great examples of people that have suffered even sickness and God has spoken to them in that. Praise God. Wonderful. But just because somebody has an example of experience, that doesn't make it more true than the word of God. And the word of God says, by his wounds we have been healed. Really important that we get hold of that. So Paul was saying, I'm, I'm, I'm filling up, I'm... I, I'm, I want to make sure that in my suffering that you are complete. I want to read it from a slightly different translation here. This is why no form of suffering, this is what Paul says, no form of suffering can interfere with my joy. Every suffering on your behalf is just another opportunity to reinforce that which might be lacking in your understanding of the affliction of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church. Do you hear that? Paul was saying, look, I'm, the reason I'm suffering is, is, is to make sure that you know what the full afflictions of Christ has brought into your life, in my life. It really is powerful if we can get hold of that. Because I think it's been distorted for too long, that particular scripture. Paul goes on and he says this, and I'll close with this. He says, I've become a servant of the gospel by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness. Paul wanted to present the word of God in its fullness. A mystery. Have you ever heard Christians talk about mystery? Well, we don't know how God works. It's all a mystery. Mystery unto God, His ways are higher than our ways. It's all a mystery we don't understand. Do you think that Jesus would have died on the cross to bring you to the Father for you to not understand anything? It's religious hocus pocus, that sort of stuff. So, this mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, there's been a mystery. From the beginning of time, even before the fall, there's been a mystery in God that you and I have been privileged for it to be revealed to. Think about it. Thousands of years of history, in our generation, it's been revealed to no other generation before. It's been revealed in such power. What is this mystery? It is that which is Christ in you the hope of glory. The whole of the word of God 
is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Christ in you, the inner image of goodness in the whole earth. If Christ is formed in you and I, then his glory can't come to the earth. Well, God can do it sovereignly. No, God uses people. God sends the rain and people till the ground. There's got to be a sense of partnership with God to bring about revival and glory the way we want to see it in our nation. And it requires a passion. It requires a removal of apathy. It requires a desire for us to come into our relationship with Jesus in deeper intimacy and care about the things that Jesus cares about. You know, David, a man after God's heart, says, I hate the things you hate, God, and I love the things you love. There's about Jesus, he was filled with the oil of joy, far above his companions. Why? Because he loved what was right, he hated what was unworthy. God has given us the ability to move in this earth like Jesus moved in this earth. And this was Paul's commission. He says, he is the one we proclaim, Christ in you, the hope of glory, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. How did he operate? How did he get up when people stoned him? How did he escape so often? How did he get out of prison? Christ in him, the hope of glory. How are you going to have a great week this week sharing Jesus? Christ in you, the hope of glory. How are you going to overcome the situation you face right now? Christ in you, the hope of glory. How are you going to move into all that God has for you in this life? Christ in you, the hope of glory. How are you going to move in miraculous? How are you going to move in signs, miracles and wonders? In spiritual gifts? How are you going to move in the power and love and grace of God? Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's all about Jesus in you, the hope of glory. Stand with me, would you? Just close your eyes for a moment in his presence. with every eye closed in this room I want us to just just before we go just the the presence of God is here and Jesus is here I really believe that he's in us but he's also here manifest amongst us Father I just ask that you would touch every heart that Father that if they need to make a decision to put you first let them make that decision today but I believe that God is asking us this year how we're going to invest our lives. I believe God is asking us. He wants to bring about transformation and great testimony. But He's asking us how we're going to invest our lives, our time, our energy. Because there's been a mystery that's been hidden that's now revealed. The very Christ, the very Jesus that walked on the water. The very Jesus that healed the leper. The very Jesus that cast out demons with a word. The very Jesus that calmed the storm is the very Jesus that lives in you. And the whole of creation is longing 
for the sons of God to be revealed. So, Father, I pray that for each and every one of us in this community, that Jesus would be revealed in and through us in a mighty way. And everybody said, Amen. 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 So be it. Praise God. Have a great day. Go with God. Christ in you, the inner image of glory. Christ in you, bigger than anything you face right now. Bigger than anything you face. Amen. If you'd like further ministry, there will be people to minister to you here. I would also say this to you. If you are suffering from the symptoms of sickness, I want to anoint you with oil this morning. So come down here. I believe some of you were touched in the communion this morning. But I'd just like to anoint you with oil as well as another means of grace. So if you want prayer, please come forward.